Hey, this is Clifton Fair, LMHC and executive coach. Welcome to Cliff Notes. We will be covering a myriad of topics ranging from executive and leadership challenges, as well as our own human existence, running the gamut between being a human being as well as being a leader within organizations. Stay tuned, show up, listen, watch. We want to make sure that you capture everything that we provide on this show because it's going to help make you better. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Cliff Notes. This is Clifton Fair, and today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Lorenzo Robertson. Lorenzo is currently operating as the founder and president. Executive director. We just went over this, didn't we? <laughs> and executive director of Eugema Men's Collective here at, based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Lorenzo has given us his time today in order to actually show up and talk about some of the initiatives that he has going on and also share with us a little bit more about himself. I'd like for you all to welcome Mr. Lorenzo Robertson. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate you. Um, Lorenzo, I, I want to say this, and this is for the viewing audience as well as you. From the first time that I met you, one of the things that really struck me was your demeanor, uh, your body of work, and your commitment to the growth for the community. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're very <laughs> welcome. You're very welcome, Mr. Modest. <laughs> Um, what actually brought you to the forefront of wanting to help the community in such a large way with the collective? Well, I think a lot of things started when I was, a lot of people say, oh, when I was in high school, this happened. But I was in high school and I wrote this list of things that I wanted to do. And starting an organization that was dedicated to uplifting and educating a community about people, that was on my list. And so... When I initially started doing something like this, I was um, working at a high school in, when I lived in Orlando, and we did an organization called the Onyx Society, which was Outstanding Negroes Journey for Excellence. So it was for the students. It was a student um, initiative, and we won, like, our first year, we did, like, so many events. We took the tr kids on a trip. So it was the, that was my catalyst in terms of really trying to do things to give back to the community, but also trying to uplift our community as well. I'm kind of spazzing out because I'm thinking like most uh, high school students are really just trying to figure out how to get through school. Well, I, I was too, but it was like I knew that if you want to do things in your life, you have to kind of write it down somewhere. You know, I was a, a church kid, so therefore it's like write it and make it plain, all those types of things. So I did that. I wrote my list. Um, and everything on that list I pretty much accomplished. The only thing I didn't because it was... It was, I was in a robe or something, so I didn't know it was like a preacher's robe or a judge's robe. <laughs> One of those, but I knew that's the only thing that has not happened, and, which is fine. Um, but everything else on that list, um, starting organizations, meeting people, traveling, all that type of stuff, I've done all the things that, I've, that I put on that list. And I'm thinking like, you need a new list <laughs> because I, you know, I need to do other things that, that I want to accomplish as well. The amazing part, and I kind of have some additional insight, uh, unlike maybe some of the viewing audience, um, on who you were raised by, right? Mm -hmm. I met your mother, okay. um, and I know how <laughs> I know how very present she is in your life, and I'm yeah. wondering if that's, if that's been a instrumental in you developing into the man you've become. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with my parents, my, my mom and my dad. They both were very involved in our church and other community activities, so they were very engaged in community events, activities, so I knew and 
understood that and and that was a part of my upbringing in terms of being a part of different groups and I'm in our church I was involved with the I was on the usher board I was a president of the choir I was you know, so I was involved and engaged in those types of things and then they also encouraged us to go do those types of things in school so I was a part of student body um, when I was in school, I was um, on many different groups. I was on the tennis team, the track team. So I did those type of activities in school. I was on the newspaper staff. So I did a lot of those types of things when I was in um, high school. And with the encouragement of my family, they were always very supportive of things that I tried to do. I would say, I want to do whatever. They were like, okay, we can try that. You know, because they were never discouraging about any things that we tried to do, me and my siblings. You know, the awesome part about everything that you just ran through in my head, still spinning, trying to keep up with each thing you've identified, but you have given yourself an opportunity to really experience a lot, starting from childhood. Mm -hmm. Now, when you spoke about your mom uh, and your dad being super supportive, though, of you experiencing all those things, how long did you really have your dad, you know, through your life? When did he pass? Oh, my dad's not dead. Oh, (laughs) thank you for that. I was like... I, I, I really haven't seen him, so I'm what, thinking, okay, something well, no, my, happened. My parents are divorced, so therefore okay. they're divorced, so he's still around. He's I'm still involved, I'm still engaged, that type of stuff. We'd, our relationship is not as um, cohesive as it was years ago, but um, he's still around. He's still alive and everything. Um, he was very involved when, um, until I went up. I mean, very. he was very much involved with my life until maybe like maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, he's he was a part of my life as well. But my mom, I think, was more <laughs> instrumental because she was, you know, and most times your mother's the one who's nurturing, who's mm-hmm. more engaged with your activities, what you're trying to do. So I think that became more of a catalyst in terms of our relationship. Um, and we still have a very close relationship now. You know, she's a part of the Ujima Men's Collective and the name of the group uh, that she has kind uh, of <laughs> derived for herself and other mothers. What's the name uh, of that group? Uh, the Mahogany Girls. The Mahogany <laughs> Girls. Yes. And they are spicy as hell. I tell you what. They will let you know this is where I, I fit in. Right. Exactly. Now, yeah. They, I mean, my mom and her friends, they've supported um, my conferences for many years they travel when we did it in Tampa, did in other other areas of the state. They would always come and they were very supportive. Um, they would either be um, at their registration table or they monitor the rooms or they just are there to participate in the different workshops. But I've been very blessed to have that type of support um, in terms of being a black, same gender loving man and having people to still support my activities, my initiatives and the things I was interested in doing and not having that um, that that separation because some people have experienced that when they say, oh, mom, I'm gay. And they're like, oh, I no longer have a son. Oh, my God. Right, you know, so I did not experience, right, yeah, right. I didn't, did not experience that. So I was very blessed to have both my parents very um, understanding and accepting of my sexual orientation. So that's, I, you know, I can't really ask for more um, in terms of that. My, not only my mom and my dad, but also my siblings as well. For you, uh, that's once again a, a great opportunity to uh, for people or men who have really uh, struggled through their coming out process to be able to look to you for uh, that support and also the modeling that could happen for, mm-hmm. for them uh, with maybe some of their chosen family going yeah. forward. So thank you to mom and, th- and to dad for that. Um, but, you know, we spoke about the Mahogany Girls, and I don't think people really uh, understand what we're talking about as it relates to the place that they have within 
UJ my men's collective. Yeah, I mean, what what has happened is that my mom and her girlfriend, they are, they're all my aunties, so they all come to my our events, but they're there also, and they're very supportive of the other men who may be there, who may not have those relationships with their mothers, so therefore they can be that surrogate in terms of being that mother figure for them and at the conference. At least they'll see them like once or twice whenever they're, they come to the event. And I think that was very um, critical, and it was very important to me to try to get my mom involved and initially she was like, well, it's going to be men. Why should I be there? I said, well, I just want you to come and experience it. So if you don't like it, you know, you don't have to come back, but at least come one time to check it out and see how it is and see what your um, what you take away from it. And her first experience, she's like, oh, I had so much fun. I enjoyed it. I learned so much. And her girlfriend, same thing. And they were like, they wanted to know when the next one was so therefore they can come back and they also participated. So, But I think the other part of it is that it gives other people the 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 options and the optics to see that your experience with your parents can be like this. It, it does not have to be what you may have experienced. So I, it does give some people that um, hope that maybe in the future that my relationship with my mother can be similar to this. With Ujima Men's Collective, as far as the annual conference that you all have, um, it does provide men an opportunity to come together, um, uh, black and brown men to come together, as well as is it just specific to black and brown men? Well, what we do is um, when we look at our conference, it's designed specifically for black, same gender loving men mm -hmm. and those that love and support them. Mm -hmm. So therefore, when we say that, that kind of opens it up to anyone that would like to participate, that wants to participate, that wants to be around that um, black, same gender loving men, they are welcome to our conference. So if a person such as myself actually has a, a white uh, counterpart or a mm -hmm. white partner, they can actually come oh, to that conference. Most definitely. Okay. One of the things we initially, when we initially did the conference like many years ago, we did do it specifically for black, same gender loving men. And it was really great and we had a great turnout. But we realized that the information and the, the um, workshops that we were implementing were anyone could actually benefit from that. So we were like, well, we should open it up to other people. So therefore, we, that's when we changed our mantra a little bit to, um, Black same gender loving men and those that love and support them. So therefore, it was open to women. It was open to men. It was open to um, um, people who are not gay. So it was open to everyone who wants to come and participate because we realized that information is information that everyone can benefit from that. You know, the, the amazing part of what you're, you're housing in this conference is you're, you're healing some generational uh, traumas, right? Um, you're opening up the community itself to healing as we are allowed a space to occupy and talk about some of the challenges that exist. You know, based on everything that you try to kind of encapsulate or house within that conference, what are some of the things that you really um, have focused on or would like to focus on uh, that are just like really prominent for the, the black gay men or the black same gender loving men? The biggest thing I think for me is really the um, intergenerational relationships within the black same gender loving community that has been severed because it was severed many years ago during the AIDS epidemic because we lost so many black same gender loving men during that time period. So therefore there is that somewhat of a gap because there's that population that were impacted by that and they're no longer here. But there's also new generations of younger men who are growing and they're not necessarily able to reach back to those men who are older because sometimes it, the the relationships are very um, transactional sometimes. So it's not about um, me nurturing you as my men, as my protege or anything like that. It's about me having sex with you. Okay. And so therefore becomes how do we actually bridge that type of 
um, relationship because we do have our program called the, the Protege Project and it's really about having those mentors. It's a reciprocal type mentoring program whereas we pair older black same gender loving men with younger black same gender loving men so therefore we kind of build those intergenerational relationships because I understand that if um, I had mentors when I was growing up people that would tell me well this is what we did when I was younger this is how I navigated through being a gay man in in the 70s or whatever mm -hmm. um, but I think so, that part of our experience is missing for some of our younger men now they don't necessarily have that those type of relationships with other older black same gender loving men and I think that we need to start to kind of build and repair those relationships you know and, and understanding what that could do as far as like the ripple effect going forward mm -hmm. for some of the men or uh, uh, black young men mm -hmm. that are really kind of trying to navigate those waters with and without the support from the family and also with and without the rejection from the community mm -hmm. or with the rejection of the church, right? Like exactly. there's so many different levels uh, and challenges that they have to navigate. And us as older gentlemen, mm -hmm. uh, or as older black men, we get the opportunity to actually show up for those kids, those same kids we want to. Right, work. exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing that we are there and we are saying, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you navigate the terrain that I've already gone through. I can give you my experiences. This is how I navigated certain areas. This is how I dealt with certain issues. I'm giving them the option in terms of, I can hear what you're saying and I maybe can take that and glean from it, or I could just say, well, that's not gonna work for me. But then helping them to navigate and find out other ways of how they actually navigate through um, the challenges that they're gonna ultimately go through. And that could deal with um, dating, um, the um, discrimination that they may they may encounter. It also may impact in terms of the being a fetish for older white men. I mean, all those things are impacted, are included in that as well, because those are things that these young men are, are ultimately going to experience sometimes. You know, having an older black gay brother <clears throat> was probably the closest thing I actually had to uh, a mentor. Um, but he was still struggling through his own respective challenges, you know, HIV, um, being ostracized by the family and the church. And I, I'm in knowing what you have afforded uh, black men, both old, older and younger, uh, within the community, I, I truly applaud you. Thank, thank you very much. You know, if somebody wanted to get involved and participate as a mentor uh, or even a protege, how, what, what would they do? They can just contact us. They can go to our website. It's um, ujimamen.net. All the information is there. It gives you information about what the protege project is. Also has applications on there where you can apply to be a mentor or you can apply to be a protege. And it gives you the details about what we try to do. Um, most of them, we want to have the relationships where they meet at least once a month. They, we want them to be weekly, but at least once a month face to face. And the other ones could be via Zoom or just a phone call, but at least having that once a month contact with, the, with their protege or their mentor to really kind of um, have those conversations in terms of, this is what I'm, I want to go back to school, or I want to, this is the career path I'm looking for, and how they can actually give them some insight in terms of, well, these are the things that you may want to do, and these are places you may want to try and find out, find more information. And also, um, the younger men, they may be able to impart, especially around social media, those types of areas. Mm -hmm. A lot of older <coughs> men, they, they want to do social media, but they may have some challenges, mm -hmm. and that may be an opportunity to be that reciprocal mentoring. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the younger gentlemen, they're mentoring their older men about how they can do certain things in terms of social media, or it could be dealing with technology, those type of areas as well. They can find a way to actually give back. That adds value to that relationship exactly. in both areas.
very cool. You know, with all the work that you're doing, uh, first, all the work that was done for you by your support, you know, your mom and dad really showing up for you. And and now I see the rest of your aunties as well, (laughs) right? And you being such a large presence as a, a teenager, a young man, growing into the man that you've become today, seeing how you've just been a vessel of good for the community. The thing that comes to mind as a question is, what do you do in order to keep that that channel open and not have it tighten or tense up with all these many things that you're doing for the community? Well, I mean, you have to have that work-life balance. So therefore I try to do things that are just specifically for me, like some weekends, I don't do anything. <laughs> I stay home. I lay on the sofa. Our dog is playing around, that type of stuff. And I don't do any work. Um, so I do that type of stuff. And I used to write because I'm, I did I have a book of poetry. I wrote a novel, that type of stuff. I used to write. But then when I was doing that, I also felt as though that was almost like work yeah. because it's like you gotta produce. I have to produce and I have yeah. to make sure. It's a, that became like I still want to do that more. Um, and that's kind of therapeutic and it's kind of cathartic. A lot of times, but it's really I. I just need those times where I'm not doing anything, and I do that sometimes. And other times, I just kind of listen to music, um, drive. Um, I go go to church, those types of things. So those those are the type of things I do for myself. So therefore, I can keep my work life balance in a um, more cohesive way. So it's not like I'm always working, 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 and then I get burned out on it and don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. As you're talking about that work-life balance, I understand that you know you you do have a husband mm-hmm. or a partner. You know, and how long have y'all been together? We've been together <clears throat> for ten years. We've been married for eight. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. A true testament to what's possible for all of those who are hopeful, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, being able to keep a a relationship healthy mm-hmm. under the the time constraints that you currently have, it's it's got to be difficult, is it? We just really try to make time for ourselves. We try to do date nights, that type of stuff. But we also are very supportive of each other. Um, maybe not as supportive as we could be, but we do support the initiatives that we both are working on. We do have some things that we work. He works for my organization also in a part-time capacity. So he does that. And we also are part of another organization, the Onyx Group, and we are both officers within that group. So we... We, ha- we do things that are connecting us on our personal level, but also in other areas of our life as well. So we do things that are also bringing us together outside of just our relationship. So when, when you say supportive, you know, the word that comes to mind is intention. And I'm trying to marry those two. Mm-hmm. Can you help me with that? Well, I mean, when, you, <laughs> when I say support, it's like I do things because I want to be a part of what my husband is doing. I want to be there because I can be there and being there begrudgingly. Right. It's not the same. And okay. I don't want you begrudgingly there to support me. Right. I want you there because you want to be there. You want to see me excel. You want to see me soar as well. And I'm there because I want to see you excel and do the best that you can do and be the best you. And if I'm there for those type of reasons, that's very different than I'm begrudging. Oh, that's my husband. I got to go. That's different. And, and, if, and if I'm going in, in with that type of intention, then it's not going to be beneficial for either of us because I'm going to see and notice that you're there, but you don't really want to be there. And I'll say, babe, you can go home. Um, I'll, I'll see you at home because I don't want you there because it's going to really bring that whole that energy. Energy is going to be different. It's going to be like... <laughs> He doesn't want to be here. And then that's going to create my own anxiety in right. terms of trying to now I want to rush through things so I can finish it so therefore he can be okay. And I'm like, I don't, so I, we try to do things intentionally to support each other. And things that I don't want to do and things that he doesn't want to do, he say, 
I don't want to go to that, babe. I'm like, okay, no problem. And that's fine because I prefer you to tell them that it's something that you're not interested in doing as opposed to doing it begrudgingly and you're there kind of like, why am I here? Yeah. Which it really is very detrimental to the whole environment of the event. It, it is. You know, you, you are, we each are responsible for our own respective space, our energy, <laughs> and our lives. Uh, marrying those two with someone just as busy or just as active in the community as we are can be difficult, but it really does sound like y'all found your way through it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think when we initially got together, I was more the busy, busy person. Um, and as we've gotten together and he he's grown into his own, he's become more involved and engaged and more um, visible in terms of being a part of the community. So now we're as we're equally as visible, but he's probably more so because he was former. He was recently the Mr. International Rubber number 26. And so Last year, he well, this year, uh, 2023, he was traveling the world. Mm -hmm. So um, so therefore, that type of stuff um, in terms of trying to maintain our relationship while he's in Uruguay, he's in, you know, <laughs> you know he was around the, the country. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was all over the world. So therefore, it's like, still, but we were still able to be together He would, whenever he was home. And then I said, there are certain trips I want to do with you. So when you go to Germany, I'm going to Germany. And when you go to Australia, I'm going to do that. On the other places we had already been, so it was not. Uh, I've been to Italy. I've been to no, not right. not saying right. this is <laughs> no flex like, zone, sir. Right? But yeah, that, <laughs> it's just we had already gone right. to those right. places, so right. it was not a need for me to go. But you know, again, being there to support him whenever I could do that, and and so I think it's really about making sure that you're again, like you were saying, intention is you have to be intentional about what you're doing, what you do, how you do, and why you do the things that you do. I, I love that part, you know, and that leads me to my next question because. You know, having the, the support from the family, having the support from the community, uh, being the leader that you are, having a loving relationship, you know, that all feels like that's, you know, fertile soil for someone like you to emerge. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm happy to actually see you stepping completely into it and really embodying that. But if you were running across someone in the street that was really still struggling through some of the, maybe some of those traumas mm -hmm. that you necessarily didn't get touched by. Mm -hmm. Not that you've been, you've escaped them all, right? right? But some of those that they're, uh, they may still be kind of like fumbling through life with, maybe they slipped off into substance mm -hmm. use, maybe they, right? What, what are the words that you would say to them if they're listening? I mean, my whole thing is that regardless of where you are now, there's always a brighter future if you want it. And you have to be intentional about trying to find what's, light is there for you, whatever that is. Um, and if it's you know, dealing with your substance issues, actually be intentional about trying to become sober. Mm. You know, whatever that looks like for you, going through five-step program, going to rehab, um, doing a cold turkey, whatever, but trying to find your own way in terms of getting to that space of being sober, being um, good, being okay with yourself. But it's really about finding what's going to work for you, mm. trying to get to the other side because Everyone has struggles, everyone has traumas that we've gone through, but if you want to get through the, to the other side, one, find people that you can talk to about it. Um, if you find a professional, if you find a, you know, a therapist, someone else who can also assist you with that, find other people that may have gone through the same type of trauma that you've gone through, trying to find a support group. I mean, but you have to find what's going to work for you because therapy may not work for everyone, <clears throat> support groups may not work, but you have to find what's going to work for you. Maybe it's church. You know, I don't know, but whatever is going to work for you to get you to being the person that you want to be, find, you know, find that. 
I always tell people like this is the show this is it this is not a rehearsal so life is this is what it is it's not like this is the rehearsal I'm going to go back and change it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is it so whatever you want out of life you have to try to work toward that now Mm -hmm. you can't say I'm going to do it later because later may not be there you know that brings up another question you know because there's there's a there's a nugget that um, I really felt uh, I was offered when I was growing through some of those challenges for myself, mm-hmm. right? Really just trying to find my way and find that support that you were just speaking about. And one of the things that did get offered to me was, you know, uh, this is not a dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. right? You only get one time. Is there something that you were able to kind of pull from or derive for yourself when you went through just like a, a tough time, whether it was, you know, coming out to your parents or, mm-hmm. or or maybe stepping into your own, uh, and owning the responsibility of starting Ujima Men's Collective? No, I think the, the most challenging thing I had, and, and for me, and I don't want to say account, sound callous or anything, but no, no, please, it was please. just, um, when I was diagnosed with HIV, I had like 11 T cells, so it was like, I was diagnosed with AIDS and HIV. Mm-hmm. And when my doctor told me that, my thing was like, okay, this is something else I have to deal with, and that was my attitude toward it. It wasn't like, I'm going to die next week. I didn't have that type of attitude. I've always had, always had the attitude and the mindset that um, God has whatever he has for me, and if he wants to take me now, that's fine. If he wants to take me five years, ten, whatever, that is fine. But I had to, I was in the mindset that I am not going to allow HIV to alter and change how I want to or change the trajectory trajectory of my life as I want it to be. I'm going to still work toward those goals, whatever they are. And HIV is not going to hinder or get in the way of that. And so that was kind of my attitude. When he told me, I was like, okay, this is something else I have to deal with. And I just moved on from that. Really being able to hold on to those successes that you've been able to amass up to that point and being able to, you know, hold on tight to those resources or tools that you gain in order to reach that new moment and take it on just as well as you did the rest of it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm just growing up in a small rural town. And, you know, some people say, oh, Lorenzo, you know, everything just comes easy for you. And it doesn't. Um, it may appear to that to other people that it does, but it really doesn't because I have to really work toward getting those goals. I have to really push myself sometimes to really get off the couch to do stuff because, Otherwise, I would just lay on the couch, and right. if things came easy for me, I'd be on the couch now. I wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> you know, but it's but you just have to really kind of find whatever your niche is and say these are the things that I want to do with my life, and I want this, and I have to move and move in those directions to try to accomplish it. There's usually one last nugget that you know we ask for on this show, and that would be. Um, for you to be able to offer up to maybe the listening and viewing audience that one that one last piece that that you feel you maybe didn't get a chance to speak about today on the show when you think about your life the very best thing that you can do is to get very good at being and loving and understanding yourself mm-hmm. um, because no one else can no one else can do that for you right mm-hmm. and you bring each and every part of you to every experience you have yeah Lorenzo, I really want to say, not even want to, excuse me, I say thank you for being a part of the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. And there you have it. This is a podcast with Clifton Fair, and this has been Cliff Notes. You have just witnessed Mr. Lorenzo Robertson. Robertson, excuse me, I always say that. (laughs) Mr. Lorenzo Robertson, 
uh, from Ujima Men's Collective uh, speaking to us today from the heart to you. 